Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. So, Michael, here we are. The beginning of 2024, it's January 2nd, and this gives us a chance to talk about what we liked about 23, what we are looking forward to in 24, and kick off the season of podcasts together. I'm excited to do another year with you. It's been um, it's been more entertaining than I thought it would be. Um uh, because, you know, we've had such amazing guests. I mean, really have. I mean, very lucky. The people that have, uh, I guess there's a lot of people out there that podcasting is popular and people are looking for shows to do. And we've somehow ended up with some really amazing people on ours. Not somehow. We have an awesome PR department. That's how. And we so do. I, what I loved about this conversation is I think we didn't talk about ourselves too much. I think we talked about the B2B space. We talked about what companies need to be doing. I think that my seven predictions for 24 were awesome. And I think that we gave people a challenge if they stick around to the end that they will get to uh, enjoy, but they have to earn it. You can't, you can't do that. You I just gave it that. away. You gave it's it away. The whole intro. idea was- it's- my intro, that means I get to set it up, and therefore I did. I know you're going to edit it. That's the thing. You know, I don't normally edit anything that, like, this. these ramblings, you know, they just are what they are. All right. Well, then um, that tells me a lot that 15,000 people are willing to listen to it. So without further ado, welcome to 2024. He said, she said, Razor Branding Podcast. Welcome back to... He said, she said, Razor Branding Podcast. This is our first episode of 2024, and we're excited that you are still with us, have joined us for the first time, or accidentally stumbled upon it and haven't um, left yet. This is Michael and Jackie Russo, and we are going to talk about all things branding, internally, externally, the good, the bad, what makes and breaks your brand. Michael, welcome back for a whole new year. Yeah, I'm not quite ready for that. Any of the it. Year? <laughs> no, I, I was telling the team this morning, we had a meeting and I said, um, I would have loved an extra day, just, just a, a day to get ready for the day. That's what yesterday was. It, yeah, it wasn't enough. I needed one more. Okay. Well, that's what the day before yesterday was. I know. And it wasn't like I wasn't excited to come back to work. I I, I was excited about a lot of things, but you know, just holidays is always so much like you're disengaged and all of a sudden you get back engaged and everything's kind of jumped on you. So. So how do you combat that? Do you schedule blocks of time in your calendar so that you have time to catch up on emails and block out quiet time? Do you over schedule with a bunch of internal meetings so you can touch base with everybody on your team and be ready to go? What's your approach? Are you asking me as if I'm going to give you some kind of words of wisdom on on the topic? Or I think do you, I'm both you know asking because I'm curious and also subtly hinting at some ways you could be handling it instead of what you're doing, which is just venting about it. No, um, there's a little bit of um, procrastination, milling about, considering my options. All of those um, are the same thing so far. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, avoiding it, it, being annoyed by it. No, because there's a lot of things that, you know, I put off like, okay, I'll get to that at the next year or at the beginning, you know, get through the holidays and then that'll be the next thing. And now it's the next thing. Now, yesterday is today. So, you know, started realizing that the deadlines of things that, you know, are coming up and all that. But I, I don't know, Jackie. I, um, I'm yeah. wishing this was a video podcast so that people could see me rolling my eyes like that. 
Uh, so let's talk about your process. What did you do this morning? Well, I took the last two days to be prepared. So I started, you know, organizing it, uh, putting some time on the calendar, weeding out the unnecessary emails I didn't really have to deal with, setting up my schedule today so I had a big block of time so I could uh, really tackle the stuff that was pressing and time sensitive and uh, felt like I hit the ground running today and felt good about it. Yeah, that's why you're the rock star. Oh, gosh. That's why it's Jackie's name on the building. <laughs> uh, it's your name as you may recall when i married you you I know. named me I, I just wanted to hear you say it okay good for you uh, but no i i do think that there is a lot of uh truth to what you're saying i don't think you're the only person that comes back in the holidays feeling like you're inundated and overloaded and it's an avalanche of stuff falling on you you know you've got the end of the month the end of the year and then all the stuff that you did put off I'll do that next year. That's a tomorrow problem. And now here we are. So I guess what I'm saying is, so what do you do about that? You don't want to wallow in it. What do you do to be productive and proactive and not all of a sudden put it off to February and realize that that's going to be here in five minutes? No, I mean, for me, it's, you know, basically the same thing. I just wasn't as organized as you were. But I mean, going through my emails, you know, organizing myself, I have a little list I made, which is one of my 35 lists that I make every day. And then forget that I have them. Well, and listener, he is right. He does make 35 lists a day. The best part is where we find them. We find the lists in the pantry. We find the lists in the office kitchen. Sometimes they're in the fridge. We always find one of the lists in the bathroom or on the video game arcade machine right outside the door to the bathroom. We'll find one on our desks because if he walks into our office, he'll leave a list here. And then you can see the trail of Michael through the office as he visits people's desks. The lists are everywhere. But having the list is important, I think, because it's a mental cue, like writing it down. That's why it leaves your brain and it's now out in the world and it, it exists. 100% agree with the writing it down. I'm um, going to call to question your comment, having the list, because if you leave the list places, you don't actually have it. That's a good point. Yeah. Moving on. Um, I think <laughs> what we were tasked with, we usually have a guest, right? And yes. so there's today it's just us talking about, um, you know, I guess we can look back at the past year in regards to branding. I mean, uh, as far as the what's podcast your goes. What's your high? High point at 23, low point at 23, work-wise. You had a glitch in your voice. I didn't catch any of that. What was that? What's your high from 23, work-wise? Your high and your low for the year from a professional standpoint? Um, I don't I don't have an answer to that. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, last year was, was, was a good year. I mean, as far as... The agency goes, we finished our remodeling project, have the new creative suites, um, which I'm enjoying. They're awesome. And um, just getting all that behind us, all the construction and all that, that good stuff. And I feel like we're in a good place with our team. Uh, we have a great, great team, actually one of the best ones we've had in a long time. Um, and we've had many iterations, but uh, they're young and excited. And um, I think, um, yeah, so that, that's been the, the good part. For sure. And some I really great- say- and, and just, and also client wise, I mean, we've had some amazing uh, retainer clients, people that have been with us for several years now, and they've continued to grow with us and we, us grow with them. And um, it, it that, those are some of the best things we've had since, you know, from the very beginning, over 20 years, I think we have the best group of clients we've ever had, not just from a financial standpoint, and but just from quality, you know, like they're, they're good companies, and they do good things, and we're helping them get their word out and get their message out. And I, I'm very proud to be part of that experience. 
a hundred percent. I would agree. Not just one of the best teams, the best team we've ever had. So one of my highs from 23 are a couple of the new hires that year now, cause they came on board in January and how just rock star they are. Uh, a number of solid clients that I am very enjoying working with uh, the longevity of some of our clients. We're going to hit, I think a 12 year and 14 year anniversary with some clients this year or did in 23. So that's super awesome. And, um, I'm very happy to be done with the remodeling project. My low of 23 was the remodeling project. I'm done. I mean, I am tapped out between remodeling the house and then remodeling the office in three phases. Having a new kitchen, great. Watching them do the new kitchen, not great. And same thing with the creative suite. Luckily, that was contained until the very end. But I'm just I'm done with dust and saws and working around workers. So I'm very glad that we're finished with all that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we should talk a little about if you saw any trends or modalities or things that shifted in the branding advertising B2B world last year. What did you take away from that as you know, as a strategist? Well, I would say that from a professional, like outside of our agency and building standpoint, uh, one of the things that I still see as the biggest challenges in B2B uh, strategic branding is that companies are not appreciating the importance of it, the value of it, the intentionality of it. They still seem to be treating it very haphazardly. It's uh, an afterthought. It's uh, something they're checking off on the box and not really tracking it and monitoring it and doing it the way that I think it needs to be done, should be done, could be done, et cetera. And so that that makes me sad. Um, I don't like the fact that the running joke still in this era is that B2B stands for boring to boring. It should not be boring. B2B marketing should never be boring. And it should be interesting and exciting. And people should have a B2C mentality with it and make it make people care make people pay attention. And there's some great examples of that happening in a few places here and there. I, I will forever list Blendtec's Will It Blend as one of the greatest B2B campaigns of all time um, because it was people talking to people. It just happened to be for an industrial product. So that's the kind of mindset I think everybody should bring to it in 24. How about you? Um, I I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, we just got off a call a little while ago with the um... – a national company that does um, professional services um, in a very kind of a niche market. And we were talking about how to get to a certain audience and how it's the same conversations we always have. And it's so hard. It's so challenging when you look at all the um, the opportunities. <laughs> I hate to say challenges with opportunities, but there's so many opportunities with social media and media channels and um, to get out to your audience. But at the same time, it's challenging trying to figure out which ones, you know, and um, from a creative standpoint, messaging standpoint, I think that's the easier part, but getting that vehicle to deliver that message is what's what, what I find hard. And I, I know you, you may say it, it, it's simple from your perspective, but, you know, like in this example, we're talking about an email campaign, but as we got more into it, we realized that it's probably not the right audience for that, for this particular situation because they weren't getting a good open rate and it was, it was good content. It was a good service and whatnot. But, but so we started talking about more, you know, more account-based marketing where we're really kind of really going in and targeting certain high value prospects and, and really getting in the door and getting some wins on the table and start building that grassroots momentum because they weren't going to, 
Um, even though they're a very large company, they, they didn't have the budget to go blast out nationwide. So we have to be more targeted. And when you get more targeted like that, you have to really be smart about it. Anyway, there's just challenges with that. And and there's not always a, a clear-cut answer. Agree. But I think that's what we do, right? Is we take the strategy, go step-by-step step through the strategy, and develop the answer. I mean, that's that's where the campaign comes from. Yeah. And, and the need, I think when you're dealing with most businesses, their, their immediate thing is, you know, what's the ROI? Am, am I getting feedback? How many clicks am I getting? How many is this, you know, is this beneficial? Where's my money going? And and in branding, it sometimes is a longer play and it, it's not always going to be an immediate return on the day you send something out. Like they they sent out one, one drip campaign, for example, and they didn't get the response they wanted. I'm like, that's just one step. You know, and it's just one vehicle and there's so many other ways to approach it. And we have to try things out. We have to kind of have the time to find the legs of the campaign, find the audience, and all these different things. And sometimes there's um, there's more immediate immediate needs from people, you know. Well, I, I would say yes. And uh, so, yes, if it's a drip campaign, then by definition, we're sending out multiple things in a row and with the anticipation that it's going to be a slow burn and build. So we're not going to get the whole win off the first step. It's a multiple steps. And we should never just assume that the whole answer is only the bottom line. Results matter, bottom line matters, growth and profitability matter, absolutely. But that's the whole elephant. Uh, the branding pieces to me is when we eat that elephant one small bite at a time. So we're monitoring Everything from, you know, email subscribers to open rates, to click throughs, uh, to appointments scheduled, to, you know, products and services sold. All of those steps lead up to it. Social media, we're monitoring the engagement of every post, um, how many followers are being acquired, how that engagement is growing, you know, the likes, the comments, the shares. So all those little baby steps lead to the big thing. But they've all got to be watched along the way, because if one piece is off, we need to fix it so that we can have the positive at the end. Well, yeah, and I remember you told a story, I think it was you at some point, somebody had come in and said um, to a client, and they were like, uh, how'd you find us? And they said, oh, well, you know, we heard your radio spot and there was no radio running um, <laughs> or it was, you know, or I saw an outdoor board and there was no outdoor running. So people don't always even know, sometimes it's the brand awareness and, you know, where that trigger comes from. Um, but having the, like, for example, we had another client we talked to right before the holidays and, um, again, a, a national, even global reach client. And most of their budget was tied up into conferences and trade shows and events, right? So we didn't have a lot of extra money to go around and start spending it on um, advertising per se. So, you know, our recommendation back to them was, well, let's, if we're already spending money in these areas, how do we make these areas better? You know, how do we have better follow-up? How do we have better pre-planning? How do we have better tracking of the attendees at the trade shows? And how do we make that most more valuable. And so that was a simple concept of, um, of, of generating that, which wasn't traditional, you know, it wasn't, Hey, we're going to run these ads or these Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever, or social media. It was, how do we better manage the way we're already spending our marketing dollars? Yep, exactly. All of that. One of the things that I think was a big challenge in 23 is the Pied Piper effect. And you and I have talked about this a lot. It's social media has made it easier for these quote unquote experts who are not experts to build a following, 
either they buy their followers or they just really work the algorithm. They don't really have a product. They don't have a process. They're not experts at what they do. They're experts at getting followers. And then they try to sell that expertise to other people. That stuff makes me crazy. They're not legitimate real agencies who are actually helping people grow. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into those things. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with a a, a large company, a large department, usually it's an under, undermanned marketing department that's trying to get things done. And there's just a lot of moving wheels. We, I was at, uh, we were in Chicago a few months back and we were talking to the board of directors there. And one of the, one of the guys there was, he came in and kicking and screaming. It's like, we gotta be on TikTok. We gotta be on TikTok. And I was like, are you sure about that? You know? And as we kind of talked to more people involved, it, it became more like, maybe there's some, some avenues there for, for certain segments of their audience, but in general, it's it's just not right. It's not the right fit. And and he was seeing it from his lenses versus seeing it from the organization's lenses. And he's very successful in what he does. And so he had a um, a good point in it from what he had learned. But it was again the pipe. Like there was a lot of voices in his ear that weren't thinking about the big picture from from the the organization standpoint. They are always going to be shiny things. You, you remember when I started doing that radio show? I mean, years ago. My gosh, I think it was. 2009 or 2010 and every week I would go on this talk radio station and analyze whatever the hot new social media app is for business and how the business could use it or should use it or should not use it and how to stay safe with it and how to make sure their employees were doing the right thing with it and it was just a really good analysis and here's the crazy thing Michael as you may recall every week for the first three years so that's over 150 weeks straight. I never talked about the same app twice because there were so many new apps coming out every week, every week, every week, every week. That's the shiny thing. And everybody's going to be drawn to the shiny thing. There's always going to be these um, early adopters who want to be influencers, who are trying to figure out what the hot new thing is so they can go brag about it at their next meeting at the club. It, don't fall victim to the shiny thing. There are tried and true great tactics that when done right can be very successful. And there are awesome new things that can be done right and get you a great result. The idea is not the, the platform. The idea is not the tactic. The idea is the strategy. How are you properly figuring out who you should talk to, why they should listen to you, what you should say, and then, and only then, where you should say it. Being on TikTok is not a plan. It's a place. So figure out the plan and then the right places will come out of that work. Um, if that's not where your audience is, that's not where you should be. And in the B2B space, it's so easy to waste money chasing people. I hear it all the time. I want to do this thing or I want to be on that TV show or I want to be in this magazine. Yes, but 99.9% .9 of that audience is not your target audience. So you're going to waste a lot of money because that's where you're spending your time. That's not where your target audience is spending your time. We're working on this huge, massive plan for 24 for this global client. And they want to make sure we're capturing all of their industry publication. Okay, but your target audience isn't in your industry. Your target audience is in their industry. So the recommendations that we're making for you in this plan is not your industry. It's their industry. It's their industry publications. It's their platforms. It's where they spend time. And that's where we have to stay focused. That's the only way to win in a B2B world.
Preach. Preach. That's a, that's a lot. It's heavy. But it's not heavy. It's not. Doing the work is hard. There's a lot of it. And, and thank goodness there are experts like us who actually have done the work over and over again for two and a half decades now. So we know how to do it right. It's too much for a single person marketing department to bear. I am regularly shocked by these 25 million, 250 million, $2.5 billion companies that are our clients that have one person in their marketing department. Excuse me. Is that really going to get you where you want to be? No. And so you need to stop overburdening the independent marketing director, the solo department, and let them be the uh, the resource, the point person, the director, the chief marketing officer. Let them serve that role, but surround them with talent to get the work done. Because one, two, three people, never going to be enough resource and manpower, person power to get the work done that needs to be done. Well, I think too, that on that note, uh, in the B2B space too, I think there's a lot of preaching to the choir that goes on, you know, um, meaning that clients want to talk to the same audiences that they're comfortable with and they want to stay in that bubble. And, and from a marketing side too, you want to have an in-house department that never sees outside of their own world. I mean, it's a, it's a big world and you have to talk to a lot of different people and you never know where that audience may be. I'm, I'm all for being targeted, but at the same time, being narrow probably isn't the best way to go about it. You have to be able to open up your lenses and see where the opportunities are. A hundred percent. What I think is fascinating is this phrase that I've, I've heard years ago and I've used it ever since. You cannot read the label from inside the bottle. And I think what ends up happening all too often is that the people inside the company who, who know the company better than anybody, who know the industry better than anybody, feel like then their expertise of the company makes them experts in the customer. And it doesn't. Exactly the opposite. It only makes you the experts in the customers you already have. It does not make you the experts in the customers you want to have. They are two very different groups of people. And so the customer you already have already knows you. How do you get to know the customer you don't have? How are you going to get them to break up with their current provider? What is going to make them leave the solution they've had for sometimes decades, but definitely years, and go through the pain and agony of the breakup, whatever that might be, to come to you? You got to give them a darn good reason. And so we've got to work really hard to change that conversation, to get them to say, oh, my current solution is not a solution at all. I need you, your company, your product, your service, because you actually will make my life better in these ways. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that is what it's all about. I think we, we talk about that a lot, but it's important to always remember what are you doing that's going to enhance someone's life, either make them feel better, make their job easier, hell, make their day happier, whatever it may be. But there has to be some element of that beyond just what the actual service provides. You know, like, okay, I have this product and it's going to do this job. Yeah, but what does doing that job mean long-term? Does it make mean that I have to worry less about this? Um, I can save money on this. I can rely on this longer. It will give me a better return, whatever it may be. All those things go into the why, right? We have to have the why. You have to have the why. And here's um, what's amazing to me. So, you know, I, I do some uh, consulting in addition to my agency Dude. work. And I do a little bit. 
And what's been fascinating to me, because I find this pops up mostly in my consulting clients, when I ask them who their competitors are, they are stumped. They may know one or two companies off the top of their minds. They might know one or two companies for one aspect of their business, but not the companies for another division or department, product or service. And I'm thinking to myself, how are you differentiating yourself from these competitors if you don't know who those competitors are? Who are your target audiences considering? Who are they shopping before they get to you? Who are they contemplating as being a provider of a solution? You've got to know that because what if you look and sound exactly like them, then you're just blending in. You're not standing out. Yep. I love and appreciate the deep nod, the slow <laughs> contemplative consideration, but on our audio podcast, I feel like your words are important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, it just creates these weird moments where I see you nodding and I think they can't see you. I thought you. you were going on. I, I'm trying not to interrupt. I was trying to give you the, the floor. I wish that was true because that's such an awesome response. But um, no, it's a conversation. So you get to participate. Jump on in there. Yeah, I have no thoughts on that. I think you're right. Okay. I'll take the I think you're right as many times as you want to give it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that phrase. No, I, I and, you know, just, just to kind of move on before we move on. I mean, it it's, there is no magic to it. It, it, it is about a process. It is about kind of the grind a little bit, making smart choices, um, uh, you know, understanding the who, the where, the why, and, you know, all those things go into um, that process, you know? And I, I think, I guess what I'm getting at is there is no quick fix, you know, it's like, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go this. And I want to, you know, no, there, there, there isn't a magic, magic button anywhere, you know? Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. So what are your, predictions for 2024 in the b2b branding world um that's kind of your space to make that kind of prediction oh good then i'm gonna answer my own question um i think first of all uh there's going to be a lot more personalization i feel like one of the biggest needs happening right now is for companies to start really taking their database seriously understanding that asset has a value that's you know like I've always heard the story that Coca-Cola in its its balance sheet, the real value comes from the brand. It's the name, it's the brand identity, it's the recipes, it's the history, it's the logo, it's all of the pieces that the plant and the manufacturing and the trucks and the syrup has one-tenth the value of the brand itself. And so I, I've always thought that was fascinating. And to me, B2B companies, especially mid-sized large companies, have this amazing asset in their database that they are not cultivating that's equivalent to the value of, of the, the percentage of their whole company. So personalization, knowing the people in that database, knowing how to work them, making sure they're properly tagged, making sure you're continuing to gain new members of that database that personalization top down is going to be the way people make or break their marketing in 24. Uh, I think AI is going to continue to be big. I think the more we can automate, the more we can leverage that resource and free up our human power because AI is taking on some of the meaningless tasks, the better. I think that uh, account-based marketing 
I know it's your favorite phrase. It's what we based Razor Branding on. I think it is still going to be uh, predominant in the B2B space. I think that people are going to hopefully really leverage video in 24 because video is continuing to be more and more important with Google's acquisition of YouTube. Uh, the videos on YouTube and in search engine optimization results become more and more powerful. I think influencers in the B2B space, or I don't know that it'll ever catch up to B2C, but I think it's going to get close. I think that customer experience, you know, we've heard for three years now how short-staffed everybody is coming out of COVID. And I think now is the time where people start to say, okay, I may never have as many people in my company as I need, but the ones that we do have have to be trained. They have to be a customer first approach. We've got to make sure that we are delivering exceptional customer experiences at every step in the buyer's journey. And then data privacy and security, the attempts to hack, spam, spoof, steal, uh, ransomware, that's not going away. And so for us to make sure that we are continuing to protect ourselves and us make sure we're protecting our clients continues to be important. So that's that's the list I have for 24. That's I, I have I have nothing to add to that. Um, you sound like a smart. That's pretty good, you sound right? Like a smart person. I know. I love when that happens. No, yeah, and I, I would agree with all that um, to some degree. I think the AI thing is something that is a caveat to that. Yes, it's not going away. It's going to continue to be part of our lives and um, until it takes over and puts us under its control. But until then. Until then, we do have to use it, I think, but not not lean on it too much. I think, you know, as uh, just as a society and as businesses with personalities and, and you know, you don't want to go in there and have it right for you and lose your soul in the process. I think, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to know, to have a, a voice that's yours still, you know, and AI can can do some really cool things as far as giving you a nice opening draft sometimes or, or uh, you know, a, a mundane phrase, whatever, but you have to still know who you are and you have to still speak from, from that, that, that perspective. I think, um, I think people will eventually, you know, even if you can't tell on the surface, you know, if something's genuine or not authenticity, right? I mean, you know, authenticity comes from real, real emotions, real feelings, real people, real words, real, um, incentive, um, real, um, you know, objectives and real want, you know, and need, I think, um, we have to keep that in, in 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 business as well as in our lives. And without it, you know, what are we? A hundred percent. I think people know. People 100%. know. People people can feel it. I mean, you know, when you we talk about building tribes and and owning a brand, and when you wear a certain thing or you put a sticker in your car, you're it, you're saying something about yourself. Like if I support this company or I buy this this, if I'm going to spend money on this, and I'm not going to worry, you know, I'm no longer price shopping. I'm, I'm going to spend a little extra money on this because it says something about who I am as a person, the quality and who it represents. That means something. And that means something in the B2B world too, you know, and to know that there's that connection and that um, when you have that affiliation with somebody, right? Yep. So I think we have to keep that in mind and um, and not not get carried away with, um, with just because it's easy doesn't make it better. Oh, I agree. I agree. And that's my point when we were talking earlier um, briefly about these people who are chasing the shiny things and the the people who you know call themselves experts, but they haven't really built a business or helped hundreds of clients build businesses. That's the easy button people. 
I think the that what the work that we're doing out there in the field every day, making sure we're we're building these strategic brand plans for our clients that are really going to make a difference. That's the work that's going to get rewarded. That's the work that's going to get results. Yeah. Yeah. And just having the ability to to form those relationships and finding the right people that do the right things. I mean, you have to have a lot of trust in that, right? I mean, you're, you know, um, on both, both sides, because, you know, even the agency going into a relationship, there's trust there too, that there's going to be communication, that there's going to be, you know, uh, an understanding that we're all on the same page and not be treated poorly or disregarded or left to, to hang out and dry. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not going to give you a budget, but you go figure it out kind of thing. You know, there's got to be a, some understanding there too. But those aren't our clients anymore. I mean, those, I, you know, I feel like when we were young and and naive and green, we attracted businesses that had some of the same challenges. Now that we have built a solid business, we're attracting clients that have built solid businesses. And so I appreciate that like attracts like. And the people we're getting to work with now and for the past couple of years, uh, to me, this is the sweet spot. I, I am proud of our clients and I'm proud of the work that they're doing. And I'm proud of the work we get to do with them. It These are good days. I know. I'm curious about that. Do you think things have changed? Because I remember when we, when we did start out, we were we were never the um, the typical agency people. We didn't we didn't we didn't wine and dine clients. We didn't try to buy their services. We didn't try to do those things that we weren't we weren't let's suit up and have a big fancy conference room and and all this other stuff. We was that wasn't who we were, and we didn't try to be right. And I think we lost out on some business along the way because uh, some people wanted that. They wanted the pretty girl in the room. They wanted the the flash and the dazzle, and they were buying the experience more than the quality of the product or the or the service, right? And it seems like that that is not as prevalent anymore. And I don't know if the world's changed a little bit or if that just still exists and we just don't see it. Oh, it 100% still exists and it always will. It's about personality type. So I think that when we look at the four disc profiles and then we balance that with four advertising personalities, you've still got the personality type that is flashy that wants to be wined and dined, that um, loves to know that their agency is going to be on the cover of Ad Week and on Ad Age. And, you know, I get it. I have heard for years that uh, I'll never get fired for hiring Ogilvy. That, and that's true. So for the marketing directors that want to keep doing the same thing the same ways, they're going to go hire one of those tried and true great big agencies because there's safety in that. And the marketing directors that are not worried about uh, their reputation, I guess, they're willing to take a chance. They're willing to to buy into doing things a little differently. Then they're gonna they're gonna be willing to hire an independent agency and take a little risk, but also get a bigger reward. Yeah, yeah, and I would think you know, I mean, again, people to do the research and they and they actually you know dig in a little bit or not make the easy call or just be be dazzled by, like you said, the, the bright and shiny, you know, um, that takes a little bit more sometimes, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that it all, it balances out. You know, the, the clients that want to be wined and dined aren't good clients for us ever. So I'm glad that we don't get those calls anymore. When, when I do kind of sense that at the beginning of a relationship, I'm going to refer them off to somebody else because we're not going to be successful for them. We're going to be for successful for the people who believe in the process the way we do it and who are willing to take a chance on an agency in Louisiana. And that we don't have to be in New York. Um, they get the fact that the talent is just as good, but the rates are better. 
who doesn't want that? So that that's where I think we win. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else? What else is you got going on in 2024? I know you have um, BSU initiative, which is um, Brand State yes. U, something that Jackie put together to help marketing directors and solo entrepreneurs and up and coming businesses um, learn about branding and learn about advertising. And um, that has grown significantly in the past few years. Jackie's partnered with uh, several other um, specialists and professionals in the area. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that, Jackie. Are you kidding me? I love talking about that. It's one of my favorite things. I think that it's healthy to have outside interests. Uh, Obviously, none of the work I do would ever conflict with the agency or the clients of the agency. If anything, it continues to challenge me to learn more and I do a better job the more I know. So this is a way for me to continue to grow and, and be a lifelong learner. So as Michael said, Brand State U came out of COVID and needing a place to continue to teach Uh, because I do love that and um, appreciating that not everybody can afford the agency. So there's a lot of things that came together and it was just marketing classes for a long time, online marketing classes. And that's still the case. But partnering with these four other incredibly talented uh, trainers, presenters, facilitators, now we cover personal development, professional development, uh, leadership training, communication skills, sales training. And then, you know, I still show up and do the marketing and branding piece. But the five of us together have uh, really put together a full service package, I feel like. And so every business can benefit from it. We get to travel with it, which I very much enjoy. Companies that are based in the state of Louisiana can get reimbursed for our training at 100%. The program that Louisiana offers, I think is amazing. It's $3,000 per employee per year in training reimbursement. I mean, you just, you can't beat that. That's awesome investment by the Economic Development Department of the state. And so we've got a conference coming up April 4th and 5th in Louisiana. It's in person and it's called GrowthX and it's two full days. The five of us split our time up amongst those two days. And so you're going to get everything from having difficult conversations, understanding how to recruit and retain top-notch talent, something everyone struggled with since COVID, how to really build out the sales and marketing plans for your company, how to develop the leaders on your team so that they can continue to grow and thrive in that environment. It's, It's all the good stuff. You can take individual classes with us. You can do online classes. You can show up at our workshops and seminars. Everything's great. And then um, this year is going to be the second annual Women's Summit at Sea, which is another Brand State U project. I'm partnered with Melissa Bowen on that, who is a Brene Brown certified uh, trainer and coach in her uh, fun time. In her real life, she's a therapist, just like I'm an agency uh, runner. But we get to do these fun things. And so this is an amazing uh, opportunity. We did it last year. It was a group of women sailing out of Galveston on a Royal Caribbean uh, cruise ship. So we're doing it again this year, once again, Galveston. And uh, it's just incredible. I mean, it, it the experience I knew was good, but when every single person that participated in 23 signed up to do it again in 24, I thought, oh, we're on to something here. So we're enjoying that and we're going to continue to do that. So good times. Yeah, I'm not doing any of that. No. No, and and my third project uh, through Brand State, you you also aren't doing, but it's fun, uh, which is Sales Spark, which is the opportunity to take thought leaders and uh, not have to pay to get a whole crew to fly to them and days away from the office trying to shoot videos that are overproduced and uh, cost as much as a Hollywood production. Now we've got some amazing software that allows us to do remote production, so we can meet with you, uh, write your scripts coach you 
on how to be more comfortable and a better presenter on camera, record you, edit you, and send the videos to you all remotely. So you get the coaching, you get the professional production, you get somebody else writing the script so you're on track and really talking you up while you're doing it so you sound great. And uh, in the end, you get all these professional videos they get to use for social media. For the people who are leaders in their space and want to take advantage of the need for video in 24, it is a very affordable tool. Yeah, all good. And I think it's a great example of uh, knowing when to stay in your lane, because I think as an agency, we learned that all these things you're talking about were not what Russo needed to be doing. You know, we, I think we've, we've very much clearly figured out what we do well and um, and who we should be doing it for. And all these other things are great. And they're all part of the B2B world in a lot of ways, but they're so specific. And so we decided to, you know, break them up and put them in different areas and different categories to where they did their track from the other, you know, um, and, and they, they kind of, like I said, Jackie's partner with the right people and they kind of, you know, have their own initiative and their own direction. Well, they have their own target audiences mm -hmm. and those target audiences are different. And I think that's always the key. You know, I've always thought that there are some companies who are really smart about the way they do what they do. They don't get too fractured. They don't get too segmented. They stay zeroed in on this one target audience and they provide everything that one target audience needs. That's smart. Uh, but if you get too diversified... And we were heading that direction with the agency. I was bringing in lots of different ideas and we were no, kind of trying no, to do a lot of different impossible. things. That's not true. Jack, you're too hard on yourself. <laughs> Parish Proud. No. Um, I mean, there's some, no, it was it Parish, Parish Parcel. Parcel. Yes. Uh, there was, yeah, there's so many things. Jackie would come in with a new idea every week and like the whole agency would flip around trying to get it done and, and chase after her. And it was good because as I told everybody, that's why we're successful is because we have somebody at leadership that has a vision, but sometimes those visions weren't always the right ones. Sometimes they were fever dreams. And so now it's about, you know, staying on track. And I think it's much better. Yeah. Well, they're all, they're all within the same space. I think that's, that's an important part of it, you yeah. know, and it's all based on, it's, it's all based on the core foundation of race and branding. You know, I mean, we figured that out a long time Correct. ago and I was very proud of that. And we did it. It was based off of, um, there was the Richards group in Dallas who were big fans of as an agency. When I was in college, we went and toured there and um, they reminded us, they were, they reminded of us, we were like a young them almost, you know, and uh, our process and, and they had a process involved and it was branding and, and their creative was amazing. And so we sat down and said, let's, let's go figure out our own thing. And so we came up with race branding and, um, and really it's while the, while it has evolved, the core fundamentals of it have remained the same. And, um, and it's really the backbone of everything we do. And it's the backbone of all these initiatives too, because we try to look at it through the lenses of racer branding. Um, yeah. So it's been positive. Well, and I would say to that point, you know, because we developed Razor Branding in 2005, before social media existed, to watch how it has been able to handle the ebbs and flows that social media, digital advertising, video, all of these new platforms and tactics have risen up. And Razor Branding has continued to stay the course, which tells me that it is built to grow and adapt over time all the tactics can change as long as you stay strategically minded and uh, really zeroed in on who your target audience is, why they should pay attention to you and what you're going to say to them. The where you put it, the when you put it out there can change over and over again as long as you're staying true to the first three core principles. Yep. 
that's what makes it work, Michael. It does. All right. Well, I think we're good. Um, I don't have anything else to add to the conversation. Do you? I do not. Um, I would just like to say that we will have reached our 15,000th 15,000th subscriber download listen when this podcast airs and that is just huge to me so you i mean i'm, I'm i still don't know if anybody's still listening at the end like at this point we could probably start talking about <laughs> dogs or cats or whatever home you know what are you doing for dinner tonight you know i don't know if anybody's still tuned in at this point because i don't listen i mean if i look at my podcast list like when i'm traveling that's the only time i really listen to podcasts to be honest like the little green bar like on spotify it never gets to the end right. I, I i get like three quarters of it and i'll either land at my destination or i'll fall asleep or something i am gonna call bs on that because you and I both listen to Smart List together. And how many times have you heard them do the bye? Okay, that's the one. That's the one show. But that's how you know you've listened to the end. So what we need to do is come up with a catchphrase no. to end the episode. No, and so I'm, hold on, I'm going to test your theory. I'm going to make this offer to everybody still listening. You let us know what our catchphrase exit should be. And we'll do them because that's the reward for sticking to the end. It doesn't matter how preposterous Jonathan Saxon, you're going to bring something dumb, any crazy ideas, you bring it to us and we will do it. I'm saying it right here. Recorded. You set yourself up for heartbreak because even Jonathan's probably not tuning into the end. And now you're going to know it. I bet you're going to know it. And this is the test and he'll know. He'll know right away. Well, then we're going to find out, won't we? All right. It's on. We're going to find out. Um, and by the way, you have a four minute commute from your home to your office. I know because I have the same four minute commute. The, remember last week we were traveling in LA. The week before that we were traveling in Nashville. We spent hours in the car, hours. So you have to think some people have a different experience of listening to podcasts every day because it's part of their just daily commute. Sure. sure. You know? Yeah. And you hauling ass down the 405 would not have the time to stop a podcast midstream while you're changing six lanes God. to get out I, of HOV and catch your exit. I'm still, just bringing that up has me like shaking right now. Like I was white knuckled every, oh my God, that was, I don't know if anybody is listening from LA, but God bless you. And if anybody wants to test their driving skills, go drive in LA for a week. Yeah. I've driven it all over. I've driven in Milan. I've driven in Italy. I mean, it's in the, the streets of the Amalfi Coast, which is crazy. But LA was, it was just, it was crazy. And then when it started it raining challenge. on the way to the airport, yes. like at 530 in the morning. And that that was, I, I wasn't sure we we're going to make it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. But anyway, enough about that. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jackie. It's been a fun year. Um, looking forward to 2024. Me too. And what comes. And I wish everybody success. Thank you for listening if you are. And um, I don't know. That's about it, I guess. That's it. Thanks for joining us. And um, here we are. He Thank said, she said, Razor Branding Podcast out. <laughs> <laughs>